Welcome to the Progress Texas Happy Hour. Hello and welcome to the Progress Texas Happy Hour. I'm Kathleen Thompson, Progress Texas Chair of the Board. And I'm Sam Gonzalez, Progress Texas Digital Director. Hey Sam, today we're talking about voting rights and specifically a new target on the back of young voters on college campuses and the communities that surround them. Please welcome to the show Emily E.B. French, Senior Election Protection Attorney with the Texas Civil Rights Project, the Honorable Diana Lamone Mercado, Travis County Clerk, and Amber Mills, Advocacy Organizer with Move Texas. And thank all of you for being here. Uh, I, I'd like to go front to back to see, um, you know, tell the listeners what you do, what your organizations or what your office's mission, and uh, how are you saving Texas statewide or uh, in your local community? Diana, since you're the furthest most on the on the left, let's start with you. Yeah, hi everybody. I'm Diana Limon Mercado. I am very proud to be the newly elected Travis County Clerk, the first new clerk to be elected to this position in over 35 years. My predecessor, Dana de Beauvoir, um, served honorably with an incredible legacy around election protection and innovation. Um, and our office not only um, administers elections here in Travis County, but our office also oversees the probate division, um, misdemeanor courts, um, civil court matters um, recording, which handles things like DBAs and marriage licenses, and then records management, which is like basically the historical archives of Travis County and property deeds and all different other interesting kinds of records that our office holds onto. So I'm excited to be serving in this role and also excited to be the first Latina, first person of color ever to serve in this role as well. Congratulations. Yes. And Amber with Move Texas. Yes, that's obviously very hard to follow. Um, but yeah, I'm an advocacy <laughs> organizer with Move Texas, which is a nonpartisan nonprofit um, working to build political power in young people. And so we kind of do that through uh, multiple different ways, but the three core um, ways being civic engagement. So registering young voters, getting them out to the polls, getting them encouraged to be poll workers and things of that nature. Um, leadership development, and then also, also issue advocacy. And we work on criminal justice reform, climate justice, as well as voting rights. Um, and we do that at both the state and local level. Perfect. And last but not least, Emily. Hi, I'm Emily E.B. French, and I actually am a little starstruck because I have my uh, newly signed marriage certificate from Diana right next to me. I'm like, oh my gosh, what an exciting day. (laughs) Thanks. Uh, But I work at Texas Civil Rights Project. Uh, We have three issue areas. Beyond Borders works on human rights for migrants and immigrants. Uh, Criminal and justice reform works on folks through all areas of the uh, school-to-prison pipeline, prison rights, things like that. And I'm in the voting rights program uh, where I get, uh, I'm very lucky to get to work on election protection. Um, Every year when there is voting, we run the 866 Our Vote hotline. It's nonpartisan. Anyone can give us a call. And I get to talk to a lot of voters who just have these crazy problems set up by Texas's really complicated uh, red tape election system. Uh, So I do that during elections. And then during legislative sessions, I take everything that all these voters have told me is a problem. And I go to the ledge and I'm like, please don't make this worse. And they're like, forget it. Uh, But we are able to get some good things done uh, for Texas voters uh, with the help of folks like Move Texas. That's excellent. Well, thank you all for joining us. What a great group. I'd like to read our expert and inspiring panel, a recent editorial from the conservative Dallas Morning News editorial board. Quote, when a political party goes out of its way to prevent people from voting, the motive becomes clear. If politicians want to convince young voters to vote for their party, they need to do the work. 
make the case for the policies, connect with young voters in a way that resonates. Instead, the plan here appears to be shutting them down. Banning voting on campuses is a pathetic way to throw in the towel. Not only does it signal that the GOP won't even attempt to interest young people, but it also suppresses the vote of a population who often live on or around campuses. I wanna get the reaction from each of you here. Amber, would you start? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that that sums it up really well. Um, I think living in Texas and working in Texas politics, we're kind of conditioned to expect the unexpected. And I will honestly say I wasn't expecting this, so maybe that was my mistake. But um, in general, we see that the Texas electorate is growing younger. It's growing more diverse every single session or election, I should say. And to be on that side of history where you want to take away the democratic process from young voters is not something that we stand for at all. And we think that it is really disheartening to see. Yeah, I had to, I had to read the editorial twice. Am I, am I reading the same thing that, that I think in my own head? Emily, go ahead. What's your reaction? <laughs> Unfortunately, you are reading the same thing. Uh, the bill says that an institution of higher education may not be designated as a polling place. Um, uh, the bill author has offered some uh, justifications, which I'm sure we'll get into. But to me, it's simple. The people in Texas politics, particularly on the anti-voter side, do not want college students to be able to cast a ballot that counts. Um, they especially don't want college students who don't have cars to be able to cast a ballot that counts, right? right. Um, there are all kinds of ways that a college student can vote, and we've seen that they are going to get out there and vote, but making it harder it just picks your own pool of people voting for you. And what about you, Diana? What's your take here? Um, I agree with all of that in the editorial. I mean, I think it is um, like beyond disheartening that um, the legislature would move to take the voice away from the people who are inheriting our state and the state's future that's being shaped right now. Um, we know that our state is getting younger and younger, um, right? There's a large portion of the state that is under 18 right now and aging, becoming a voting age population every single day. We should be making voting more accessible for them so that they have the opportunity to shape um, our policies in the future. And especially because, you know, as a American value, we believe that part of being a good citizen is participating in the civic process. And so right. we should be making that easier for people, especially as a state and as a state legislature, right, the goal has been um, largely focused for the previous decades to get our children college ready, ready to graduate high school and move into a higher education um, or two year um, institution to be able to be good citizens. And so now to not make it convenient for them to both participate in civic engagement at the destination, we've encouraged them to also <laughs> become a, a better citizen in our society is makes no sense. Right. And like my, when it hits my ear, the phrase, you know, if you can't beat them, join them. But this is like if you can't beat them, make legislation so that they can't play the game at all. And right. even for a political party that has won so heavily last de few decades, the fact that they're still trying to change the rules so they keep winning, that's loser talk. It's like they know that they're <laughs> the only way that they're winning is by essentially cheating or blocking out people who would actually turn the tides in the state. So... Just keep in mind for people listening, like, yeah, it's discouraging, but it's also like, why are they doing this? Because they've they've been winning, but they know that that won't last the way they've been winning at, at the rates and at the demographics that are increasing with the youth vote. So, And it's really an extension of like a whole bunch of other stuff that doesn't make sense. Like in 
the last presidential election, obviously Biden won nationally, but in Texas yes. did not win, right? And Beto um, did not win the gubernatorial, um, right? And Abbott won in the last election. And yet the Republicans are still calling for audits on the state election that they won. Right. So, <laughs> a do-over in Harris County. Like, a do-over? This is <laughs> do-overs in America. Like, in that way, anyway. Like... If I could build off that thought a little bit, and I think a comment that you made, Sam, which is like, they're winning. So why are they filing this? I think it's like important to look at the author of this specific bill. And, you know, it's hard to say if as a party that they are coming together to support this yet, which I think time will tell. But I think when looking into the specifics of Rep. Carrie Isaac, we see that um, she lost in a in a district in 2020 where um, youth voter turnout was really high at Texas State. And so I don't think that's a coincidence at all. And I think that it can be really telling. And I, for one, am thrilled for this era where we can just disenfranchise people who have wronged us in the past. And I will now be uh, running for office to disenfranchise my high school bully, um, women who wear ivory colored dresses to other people's weddings. I, this, uh, you know, anybody who makes me parallel park, I'm really excited to take my personal vendettas and launder them into legislation. I second that. I don't wish I had that many vendettas. I don't. And I was like, yeah, it's fine. It happens. But no, I'm not going to allow it. You got to imagine how, how many universities, how many university age people. And then if, if all of us who I'm sure went to university went and voted on campus and how easy it was. Like, I remember the yeah. process. I voted for Obama. It was my first election. I was like, nice. I walked five minutes to the other dorm, punched in, mm-hmm. did my thing and then took off. And so now they're trying to get rid of that. And that's the thing. Representative Isaac's bill isn't a standalone attack on voting rights. It's compounding. So let's talk for a minute about right. like the specific hurdles young okay. Texans already have when trying to vote. Emily, I'm going to pass it to you. Oh, yeah. Young Texans have all kinds of hurdles, uh, not the least of which is, uh, you know, you have to be 18 to vote. We are seeing people younger than 18 being civically engaged. Um I, I also, I actually, I would love to hear what Amber says about this. Uh, she is, I, I learned everything from her anyway. <laughs> oh, stop. Uh, yeah, no, I'm happy to pick up there. So like what we do is go out and register voters is like one of our main things. And so I think that that is the obvious first place to start when looking at barriers. We're one of the last states with a paper voter registration system. Um, we don't have policies like OVR, same day voter registration. So in fact, in Texas, you have to register to vote 30 days before an election. And think about a student's life. It's busy. Their minds consumed with class, work, whatever is going on. So they usually don't even know an election is happening until that 30 days before an election when it's kind of more so in their face and filling up their phones. So if they do happen to register in in time, um, that's great. But if not, then they're you know, out of luck for that election. And then when it comes to actually looking for a polling location, um, if you do get registered, if you don't have one on your college campus, it's like, okay, well, where is my closest one? And maybe you don't have transportation. Maybe it's not walking distance. It could be miles away across town. Um, All sorts of things that can really just like, you know, stop them right in their tracks because they don't have the time. And then I think it's also important to note the discriminatory voter ID law that we have in the state. Um, which requires only, you know, set, or only accept seven forms of voter identification and student ID isn't one of them, but right. handgun licenses, you know, so it just, it really shows you. We get phone calls from voters, from college voters every single cycle because you have to have a Texas issued ID. And obviously like if I'm a driver, like I'm a student moving here from Missouri and I have a driver's license from Missouri, 
Um, you can use that to vote, but you have to fill out a reasonable impediment declaration and say, you know, my class schedule prevented me from waiting eight hours in line at the DMV to get a <laughs> Texas ID. Right. Why would you? And students really are busy. And, and you know, that's one of those things where if you know the law, you know it's allowed. And youth organizations like MOVE are telling people that's the law. Folks at TCRP, folks at the county clerk's office are trying to get that out there. But you know, we know the law for a living and college students are just trying to be college students. Right. And we yeah, can't because, reach everyone. Yeah. Right. Because college students love paperwork. Notoriously, they love extra paperwork <laughs> and homework outside of work in school. So, uh, Danny, any thoughts or anything that you recommend or noticed about this? I mean, especially given the point right now where our state government is even is even in the licensing process, like it takes months sometimes mm-hmm. to get an appointment because now you have to get an appointment to get your driver's license because they have a huge backlog, staffing shortage, a whole bunch of other issues that came up for them during COVID that still haven't been resolved. And so like, it's not just like walk in, wait 20 minutes, get your new driver's license. It's a whole days, days and days and days at some points. So if you go, you don't have the proper, um, whatever set of credentials that are asking for you, you have to go come back again, try to get a different appointment. And if you are a walk-in, you know, it could be easily eight hours there that you're waiting. And that's something not just students, but anybody doesn't really have um, the time to be messing around with, but especially students who may have a much more restrictive schedule. And especially if they're traveling back and forth between different parts of the state and do have limited transportation, you know, a campus is an obvious place where you have a, you know, quantity of people, you can make it easier for to vote, but not only them, like when we are looking for um, voting locations for Travis County, those voting locations have to be accessible to all people, not just students, even if the location is on the on the campus, right, it's acceptable, it's accessible to the, um, not only the teachers, but to all the professionals, facilities, folks, and everybody who work there, and the neighborhoods around it, and those who may be passing across the university when they're going to and from work or other locations in their day. So whether it's a university or a grocery store or, um, you know, a public school, elementary or high school where we're setting up voting locations, our job and our goal is to find a place where there is a quantity of people for which that is accessible and convenient for. And this bill is just you know, simply taking that away. And I think they're, um, you know, using, trying to use some talking points around public safety, which is um, a little bit bananas to me since they're the ones who <laughs> created the campus carry issue in the first place. Right. Okay. I have a follow-up to what Sam was just talking about. Students love extra paperwork. Well, so do, you know, um, the county offices that have to receive these paper <laughs> Um, voter registration cards. And I think it was um, the Texas Tribune, um, Ross Ramsey, who said last year that our voter registration system is state of the art circa 1982. (laughs) And he said that in in 2022. And uh, I want to make sure people understand that it's actual people who have to read the voter registration card and type out the name of a person that they don't know and guess what that letter was (laughs) and guess what that (laughs) number was. And, yeah. um, you know, there could be human errors versus an online voter registration system that um, we can get a fishing license online and, you know, renew your driver's license online. But I just want to make sure that um, we're stressing that um, we pay more for an antiquated system that is because we don't want to make it easier for people to vote. And it's not it's like the voter registration still being a paper process is inconvenient for the voters and for the offices. Um, Our office, 
works in partnership with Bruce Alphonse office, the tax assessor collector voter registrar who collects them. So it's like still a manual process to connect those two data systems together to get the information over from registration to voting and vice versa. Um, and then when a person votes, particularly if they're voting by mail, which may happen for a student who is not in state at the time um, that they're voting, if they can't be in state, you know, given where the semester falls and if they need to travel or what else they have going on. Right. And now for they've made voting by mail so hard, you have to have right one of two numbers, your last four of your social or your driver's license match your voter registration. And so it's a manual process between voter registration and ballot by mail to verify those applications because voter registration is a paper process. So it's like if somebody votes by mail and it's received in our office, our office has to go check with the voter registrar's office about the signature and what number was used for the voter registration to match up the vote by mail to the voter registration in this very manual process. And these, right, these are, you're just compounding the number of administrative barriers for the end user and for our office. And at the end of the day, they are creating more opportunities for, unfortunately, human error, particularly on the part of the voter who we should be making it the easiest for. Um, And this is also pushing the other party to really call for really extreme measures like banning early voting. And you have some extremists calling for election day only and to move back to paper only voting. And like, Mm -hmm. those are the original forms of voter fraud. (laughs) That's where the the calls of voter fraud came from, was from paper ballots, which is why we moved to electronic systems and then electronic with paper trail, which is where we're at now that you have a two system um, that is like monitored, audited for like accuracy continuously. Um, But that's not good enough for them because they're still not getting the margin of votes that they want. So they're continuing to make efforts to disenfranchise more people. Why don't we just go back to the hanging chads? Remember those where you have to poke (laughs) the hole? I never got to do that. It's so unfair. (laughs) I'm so sorry you didn't get to be disenfranchised by hanging chads, Sam. That's really tough. Filling a bubble is cool and all, but I wanted to poke a thing. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, that's what we're trying to get. If you're trying to get back to that, I mean, I was 10 years old when the, I mean, not the Florida election, Bush and Gore. Yeah, recount. And, and, yeah. and just looking at, like, why do they do it like that? <laughs> just like, holding, like we have, we've had Scantron technology for a long time. Oklahoma literally is in the process of implementing online voter registration. Like, mm. it's so embarrassing that we don't have it. Oklahoma has, like, it's like, oh, well, at least we're not Oklahoma. We, we are worse this time. Yeah. We live right. in a modern world. It's time to modernize our elections. Like, it's that simple. Right. Here at the Halfway Point, a quick note of thanks for listening to the Progress Texas Happy Hour podcast. We're proud to say you've helped us build our podcast into one of the top 10% of the most widely heard podcasts in the world. Kind of mind-blowing, but true, and one of the top progressive political podcasts here in Texas. We couldn't have done all of this without you listening and sharing episodes, so thank you for that. We believe that information is power and that the more people know, the more they are empowered to take action. Low voter turnout is an issue in Texas, so we're doing something about it. We're working to increase voter participation with a particular emphasis on millennial and Gen X audiences. The two biggest hurdles to voting are factual information on the issues and information on where and how to vote. Our solution is to provide weekly updates to people on what's going on in Congress and in the Texas legislature through social media, video, email, and this podcast, while also working with the traditional news networks. Our podcast features insider analysis with a lighthearted take on major issues, events, and players in Texas politics. We've interviewed elected officials, foreign policy experts, activists, and candidates in a panel format that brings gender and ethnic diversity and always seeks to give listeners a reason to keep coming back for more. 
After we wrap today, please help us keep our podcast ad-free and accessible to all listeners with a donation at progresstexas.org. Find the link in the show notes. Diana, we mentioned that you're newly sworn in. You're less than a month on the job. Congratulations again. Uh, we know you want to build on the legacy of long-standing former county clerk Dana de Beauvoir. Her office was nationally recognized as a bold defender of voting rights. And we know in your campaign for this job, you talked about creative and innovative voting rights protections. How are you building on your predecessor's defense of voting rights? And are you looking around Texas to other counties run by voting rights champions and what they're doing and getting ideas to serve the voters of uh, your county? Yeah, absolutely. I'm brand new to this office, as you can tell from my very empty background. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We haven't hung up anything yet, but I am spending a lot of time right now um, meeting with advocates, meeting with our colleagues in other counties, and then meeting with our frontline staff here, both our election workers um, and our court clerks that run all of our other divisions as well to hear um, their experiences and ideas for how we can continue to improve the office. Um, In the interim between um, Dana de Beauvoir stepping down and myself being elected and sworn in. Um, Rebecca Guerrero served as interim clerk who has also been with this office for some decades. And so they were actually able to put a lot of um, reforms into place already in this last year, um, which I really commend them on and were very clearly value aligned with the direction I wanted to go in this office. So in the last year, they've increased election worker pay significantly. I think we're up to $20 an hour so that we're able to recruit more people to participate in the process and making sure that we have properly trained staff and adequate numbers of staff is first key to keeping those lines short and keep keep people moving through the process seamlessly. Um, We have also worked on some other um, opportunities like um, expanding shift availability of election workers. It may sound like a small thing to somebody who's never been an election worker, but prior, um, if you were an election worker, you basically had to sign up to work a 12 or 14 hour day every single day for like two weeks. Um, through all of early boot. And so now um, we've allowed scheduling flexibility in there, which again allows all different people of all different backgrounds to be able to participate as election workers. Um, and that helps us with things like language justice and making sure that we can get more bilingual or trilingual election workers recruited in a schedule that will make sense and allow them to participate in our process um, and making sure that we have young and old election workers and people who can just really represent the office and the breadth of our democracy through the process. Um, we've also, they also piloted expanding um, voting hours on the last day of um, early voting. And so that's um, a pilot we're hoping to expand throughout early voting so that every day we can have expanded hours, um, which I think the law is up to 10 p.m. So allowing that in the scheduling flexibility for staff allows us to provide the longer hours along with the pay increase so we can recruit the number of workers we need to expand um, the hours at the polling locations. And then our team is working really closely with the Department of Justice and the Secretary of State to make sure that our polling locations are accessible to all. Again, even if it is a polling location on campus, we want to make sure that all people in the community can access it, that they know about it, um, and particularly people with disabilities, that they have options for curbside voting, um, and um, if they come into the polling place, that they're fully able to, and we don't have any physical impediments to them participating in the process as well. So our office is all ears and open to the community if they have other ideas and suggestions for how our office can continue to approve access. Access and equity, I think, are my prime values that I'm bringing into this office and have shared with all of our directors, and they're deeply committed to that as well. And that expands from um, things like our records department and figuring out where we can reduce or eliminate fees for low-income 
Quantum folks to make sure that they're able to access the records they need, to um, working with um, criminal justice reform advocates to see how we can support um, individuals who are re-entering our community to be able to get their driver's license. But it takes several documents that they need to access before oh, they yeah. can qualify to get their driver's license so that they can get a job, find a place to stay, um, and fully participate back in our community. So we're working on some equity and access issues in a couple of different places in our office. Um, and we're excited to keep working with, you know, the good folks on the ground doing good work. I just wanted to like validate everything that she said. We are planning <laughs> on actually meeting with her next Friday, um, Texas Civil Rights Project, other community partners. So I think we're all really excited to work with you. Functional change. Look at that. <laughs> Things that work. Good paperwork. A lot of this, I feel like this episode's the paperwork episode. Right. We're all just like, okay, so students have to do this and then I have to sign this bill. But speaking of good paperwork, though, yeah, there's a lot of good, you know, voting rights bills that people are trying to push forward at this, this session. Um, Emily, I'll go with you last because you had a real big nod. Uh, Amber, is there anything that you're looking at that you see uh, in terms of the bills that are positive that are going to make some solid yeah, change? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll start with the most obvious one, which is HB 644 by mm-hmm. um, Representative Gina Hinojosa, which would actually require campus polling locations for um, universities and colleges that have a student enrollment of over 8,000 vote- or 8,000 students. And so that's definitely like complete opposite than what we're seeing from um, HB 2390, the one that's banning um, campus polling locations. And so I think that one is an obvious one that we support because we are here every election cycle advocating for polling locations on college campuses at the local level. And I think this would just help a lot. And we can focus on other issues like um, getting student ID as voter ID, which is one um, filed by Representative Zwiener, HB 75. And then I think the last one that I'm like particularly very excited about, but I think that to most people it doesn't sound as exciting, is um, HB 676, which is filed by Representative Busey, who actually is the vice chair on the elections committee. Um, And that would just do a very simple thing, which would be expanding limited ballots to election day. So for anyone that's listening that doesn't know what a limited ballot is, it's basically for someone who's registered in a different county. So let's say a student is registered in their home county where their parents live, they can actually vote in the county that they're living in for school on um, like throughout early voting with the limited ballot. So that only allows them to vote for statewide offices, not any of like the local um, initiatives or candidates. And it's great that we have that. Um, so I would love to hear Diana talk more about this, but um, it's only allowed through early voting right now. And then if this bill were to pass, that would be extended to election day. And so I, like I said before, I think that that's important because students don't know often until election day or don't have the time until then. And so um, that's one that I think is doable um, in these circumstances. And so I'm really looking at that one. Yeah, hey, I'm excited about it too now. I just didn't know about it yet, so. <laughs> I'm with you on that. Uh, Emily, I'll pass it to you. <laughs> yeah, 676 is on my list too, Amber. We're both uh, both nerds. Um, uh, <laughs> in a good way. Election nerds mm-hmm. is, a, is a fine way to be a nerd, I think. Uh, there are so many bills uh, filed, uh, HB 339, HB 1071, and HB 636 that would improve Texas's high school voter registration program. So basically, yeah. Texas has a program where uh, all schools are required to offer registration to their eligible 18-year-old students twice a year. 
but the way the program works in reality is they're like, okay, teachers and administrators, go fetch, like go find the <laughs> forms, send out to the SOS, like get those yourself. Good luck. Um, and these bills would make it more proactive on the part of the Secretary of State uh, to send out those forms to teachers, because as we all know, teachers do not really have time to be running around hunting down a bunch of forms. Uh, they're busy influencing and changing young minds and young lives. Um, they they're also uh, there's a bill HB 310 uh, would do some of the stuff uh, that Diana talked about uh, with uh, people who are coming off of felony convictions. Uh, now they're eligible to vote again, reentering society. Um, and that bill would help them uh, know their rights around voting and be able to re-register to vote. Um, there's all kinds of good bills filed on online voter registration, same day voter registration, things that would bring us, you know, a little bit closer to the 21st century as a state. Um, but we are really excited about those. And the last one I'll talk about curbside voting, uh, HB 296, HB 386 and SB 477. So curbside voting, Diana talked a little bit about, but every single polling place in Texas is required to have curbside voting. Um, and you, if you have a disability that makes it hard for you to get into the polling place without the possibility of injuring yourself, you can vote from your car. They'll bring out a little machine to your car. You'll cast a regular ballot uh, the same way you would if you were inside, but you don't have to do it uh, endangering yourself. Travis County has great signage and it's really, I, I have seen, I'm always like looking out, uh, election nerd, uh, but I'm always looking out when I go to vote, like where's the curbside? And it's great in Travis County. A lot of counties in Texas make it a lot harder to access curbside voting. And it's kind of that like tree in a forest thing. Like if a tree falls in a forest, did it and it does, does it really make a sound? Like if you drive up to a polling place and there's no sign telling you how to get curbside voting, right. do you really have curbside voting? Mm -hmm. um, right. And so bills like that, uh, the ones I listed, would uh, require signage at every polling place telling you not only that there is curbside voting, but how to access it. Um, our volunteers called all the counties in Texas uh, during 2022 election to see, like, how do I access curbside voting in this county? And the smallest county in Texas literally said, pull up to the polling place and honk twice. We will come outside to you. <laughs> And that is, honestly, it appears to work for them. That's totally great. But there should be a sign outside that says, yeah. pull up and honk twice, we'll bring you your your voting machine. Uh, or more likely a paper ballot in the small counties. But uh, things like that that are just real, like, common sense, helps everybody across the board, makes voting more accessible, improves the laws we already have. And Diana, what about you? Are there bills that, you're, that you've been watching closely that are the good bills? We've talked about the bad bills. What about the good bills? I'm going to be honest with y'all. I'm super jazzed to not work in the legislature anymore. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so my previous gig, for those who don't know, I was the executive director of Planned Parenthood Texas Votes and worked for Planned Parenthood for 12 years. So I lived and breathed the legislature in um, all the possibilities and hopefulness you have as an advocate in there and also all of the terrible things um, that yeah. happen in that building as well. So I'm leaving it to the advocates to keep us informed. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's their job. They're great at it. Um, and we'll be ready if and when anything good or unfortunately and more likely bad passes to respond um, and to still do our job to ensure that as many people are eligible to vote do have access to vote. And so that does oftentimes cause, um, call us to be creative and innovative, to work closely with our county attorney's office um, in their interpretation of the law and to really make sure that, um, you know, if we're following the law, that we are doing the best that we can to still ensure access um, within the law. And if we need to challenge a law that we're 
prepared to do that as well, and that we are um, sometimes a friendly defendant if we need to be, um, as advocates um, are also challenging these laws as well. And at the end of the day, I think most of us are on the same page that we want to continue to ensure access to the ballot in every way possible. And it would be great if we had a state legislature who believed that too. But unfortunately, hmm. the party in power does not seem to be on that on board with that. I wanted to say personally, um, Emily, some of the bills you were running through, the one that's closest to my heart would be registering high school students. Because if you get somebody early um, and make a habit, um, you've got a voter for life. Um, my son did his Eagle Project when he was uh, 14 and 15, so he wasn't eligible to vote yet. And he did a voter registration project that he had to advocate mm -hmm. to his um, Longhorn Council to let him do because it wasn't building a structure or you know renovation. He was. Um, he was trying to build voters for life and he got the okay and he did a voter registration project at his high school and the um, beneficiary was the principal because in the texas law the principal is the one who has to administer this unfunded mandate and the principal <laughs> was a great principal but didn't know much about the texas law because like you said there's there's no support so um i think that um helping um, Texas's young people is, is where it's at, you know, not, not the way that we've been talking about today. Um, before we let you all go, how can people follow your work online um, around their jobs and um, uh, make sure that they know what, what you and your organizations are doing? Who wants to go first? Go ahead, Amber. Yes. Yeah. So we are across all platforms, but most active on Instagram and Twitter, I would say. And it's just at move underscore Texas. Um, definitely. We are going to be constantly tweeting out things, posting things as we're following along with these hearings and these bills. Um, and then I think what people can expect is um, us calling and asking people to testify. We will also train people on testifying, make sure they're set up and ready to go. Um, and then we're going to be having a big youth capital takeover day on March 29th. I don't know when this is coming out, but um, that will be when we're going to bring all of the young people into the Capitol and really like, just try to reclaim our power and advocate for some of these bills that we're talking about. So I think that is definitely the best way to get involved with this. I will be there wearing wide leg jeans and parting my hair in the middle so that I seem like a youth <laughs> on March 29th. <29. laughs> um, you can follow Texas Civil Rights Project. We're TX Civil Rights on most things. And uh, if you're interested in what bills are coming out, but you have too much respect for your mental health to track them yourself, <laughs> You can go to bit.ly slash T-C-R-P-L-E-G-E and you can sign up for our bill tracker. We are keeping watch all, on all the bills filed in all of our three program areas, Beyond Borders, Criminal and Justice Reform and Voting Rights. We're summarizing them in plain language as best lawyers can do. Um, and we are uh, sending out alerts when it's time to testify on these things. Uh, so please uh, don't do all that work yourself. We are already doing it and we're so miserable. Join us. Misery is <laughs> We can put that in our show notes. So. Yeah, I'm signing, up, I'm signing up for that because I don't even want to do it. I'm supposed to. <laughs> that, sorry, that actually reminded me that we do also have a similar link if y'all want to put that in the show notes. But it's um, we have a website called GetShitDoneAgenda.com. <laughs> that, is, that is our agenda that we are advocating for that kind of breaks down all the policies that we care about and why we care about them. And so there's a link on that website for young people to sign up there and also get some updates. Maybe definitely, I would say definitely not as um, 
much of a legal analysis as a, as a Texas Civil Rights Project, but more so just like what's happening. Right on. Great. Um, I'm going to sign up for all of those links. Thank you all for creating that. Um, for the Travis County Clerk's Office, you can find us on social media at Travis County Clerk, all spelled out. And you can follow me at Vote Diana, D-Y-A-N-A, um, on Instagram and Facebook and all the places as well. And we put up um, information about voting, what's happening with voting, um, when people can expect the next election. We have two elections this year so far that we know of, the May municipal elections and the November constitutional amendments um, pending legislative action, and maybe some special elections or some other stuff if it comes up in between. Last year, our office ran seven elections um, throughout the course of the year between runoffs, special elections, special runoffs, municipal, everything else. Um, And so it's a we don't actually have an off year, but it's a slower year in that we only have two <laughs> elections here. So everybody should be ready to participate in those. Um, I feel like participating in municipal elections and constitutional amendments are the gateway drugs um, to actually participating in our other bigger elections. And so um, we'll be posting all of our information there at Travis County Clerk. And then this year, um, I know a lot of people have been calling for us in Travis County to update our voter um, information site, votetravis.com, um, and that will be getting um, a refresh later this year as well. Nice. And I want to plug too. Um, GoVoteTexas.org. <laughs> you can always find more voter information there if you want to find out uh, dates and, and access. There's a real uh, nice clean link there that has a lot of our partners supporting it as well. Uh, and you can check that out. And I update that personally. So if it's not up to date, come nice. yell at me uh, at Progress Texas on uh, any, <laughs> of the, any like social media. Partners like Move Texas and Texas Civil Rights Project. Exactly. So go to there and, and start <laughs> at all these resources. They'll all be in the links down below in the description, all that stuff. Thanks, Chris, for doing that. Sam, I'm inspired to be a local elections voter. I will use GoVoteTexas and register uh, myself with antiquated voter cards by April 6th, which is what GoVoteTexas tells me is the last day to register to vote if I want to participate in city council elections, mayoral elections, independent school district elections, and of course I do because I'm going to be a local elections voter. I'm going to vote at a college campus this year. (laughs) I better. I better be able to. Well, thanks again to Emily E.B. French, Senior Election Protection Attorney with the Texas Civil Rights Project, the Honorable uh, Madam Clerk, Diana Lamone <laughs> Mercado, Texas, uh, Travis County Clerk, and Amber Mills, Advocacy Organizer with Move Texas. Thanks to Digital Director Sam Gonzalez and listeners, thank you. Please head on over to ProgressTexas.org and subscribe to our email list. Keep this podcast, kitty litter, and life insurance policy ad-free with a donation of any amount. And don't forget to follow us on socials. Subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app and please leave us a review. Bye. I always say bye. Nobody else joins me. Everyone, everyone join me. This <laughs> bye. Time. bye. bye. <laughs> Peer pressure works. Progress Texas Happy Hour is a production of Progress Texas, a rapid response media organization promoting progressive messages and actions. Find us online at progresstexas.org and on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. The podcast is produced by me, Chris Mosier, and our featured music is by Walker Lukens. Please be sure and subscribe to the Progress Texas Happy Hour on the podcast platform of your choice. Take a moment to leave us a review if you've enjoyed the show, and be sure and tell your friends about us. Thanks for listening and for all you do to press progress forward here in the Lone Star State. We'll see you again next week.